May I start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps for recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy on me. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we started there as a solution. We did page 17, and I did some review of uh, the end of Bill's story last uh, week. And I put actually put out uh, uh, the talk uh, yesterday from uh, Wednesday. And, uh, and I, I've missed a few things, and there's a solution. There is a solution. It doesn't say, and if you're in Alcoholics Anonymous book, the book Alcoholics Anonymous and the fellowship took its name, there was one solution that they offered. And if we want what they have and are willing to go in any length to get it, this is what they had. Now somebody said something very profound last Wednesday. He said that everybody works their own program their way. It sounded really good. And I thought about it, and I worked my program my way, and it got me here. And it sounds good, but I think we've gotten away in AA from confusing the program from the fellowship. And the fellowship is the shipwreck that I talked about, the common peril. And to make the shipwreck mean something and change our lives, we have to have the cement that binds us the common solution. If not, we just keep getting shipwrecked. And when you're shipwrecked and you have the desperation of a drowning man, what seems at first the flimsy reed becomes the hand of God. So what, what I needed was to be desperately shipwrecked. And I was willing to do whatever it was and uh, the common solution um, in the book eventually led me to God. Now, I started out with fellowship, and I didn't work the steps because I really, uh, at that time, uh, the book, I went to a lot of discussion meetings, and there wasn't a lot of book study. It might have been my own fault. But I, uh, I didn't come across people who made me go through the book. And when I listened to Joe and Charlie, that was God saying, listen, there's a whole. And when I listened to Joe and Charlie the first time, I said to myself, wow, look what's in here. I didn't understand it. And I talked a lot. You can imagine. I love to talk uh, at the meetings. But I don't know if I said anything that made sense at the time, because I didn't know. And so I really believe that this solution in this book works for me. And I don't want to, and I don't work it perfectly, but I know what's there and I stay in it. And so it, it keeps me close to God. That's, and if I'm close to God, I have a power in my life not to drink and I have a power to live and I have a design for living that works well most of the time, except when I'm working my program. And so 
this page uh, is so much in it because uh, the escape from disaster does not subsides. It doesn't, it's not going to keep us joined together, the common peril. And that's why people drift away. And it says the tremendous fact, it's not just the fact, but the tremendous fact is that every one of us, now notice what they say, every one of them who was shipwrecked have discovered the common solution. And so what they saw and envisioned in 1939 was a fellowship of the spirit. And that's what they talk about on page 164. We hope we will find you in the fellowship of the spirit. People together, common peril, shipwrecked, working the common solution, finding a relationship with God together. Now, like every, anything, things have changed, and I'm not saying anything's good or bad, but I'm going to stick to this. And so, uh, and it says, they absolutely agree on the common solution, and it's a way out. Now, I didn't have a way out. I had a way out of uh, peace of mind, and a way out of uh, living any kind of uh, reasonable life, but now I have a way out, and they join, they we're joining the common peril, the shipwrecked people, in this uh, situation together, join in brotherly and harmonious action of the solution. You see? And so this is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. The great news isn't that you can keep getting shipwrecked. The great news is that if you're shipwrecked and you've had enough, there's a way out. And they had a solution for that. And I think uh, we can't emphasize that enough. And so um, now we're going to look at some more information. There's a solution. It's a great chapter. And it says, an illness of this sort, and it says on page 18, and we have become to believe it's an illness. Now, it, it's, an, it's an illness, it's a spiritual illness. It involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. Now, when people are sick, they have symptoms. And then the symptoms may lead you to discover the underlying problem. Now, I was thinking about it, when I come into the AA treatment room, my symptoms are that I'm full of fear, I'm very angry, and I have a lot of shame and guilt. And I made a lot of bad decisions that harmed me. Now they're going to say, wow, that's pretty bad. Now what's the root of that? What's the cause of those symptoms? My spiritual illness, my separation from God, my living self-centered. And so that's the connection. We're going to look at the results of living a life run on self-will, and then work back to be rid of those, those manifestations and see the truth of them so we can be in a relationship with God. And, and we do that through steps three through nine, and in 10 and 11, we work these tools to stay connected to that power so the symptoms are less. We still get symptoms but we 
we don't allow them to get as bad as they were. I like that. I don't think I've ever said that before. But I, I thought that made sense. So when people come into the AA room here, they may not know what their problem is. They know what the symptoms are. And they think alcohol is their problem, but we know that alcohol is just a solution to the spiritual illness. And it could be alcohol, sex, gambling, um, food. Uh, there are a million things that we can use to treat that. But unless we treat that, nothing changes. Because if we stay in the symptoms long enough, we'll do whatever we did to relieve us of it. So we want to have a way of life where we don't let the symptoms get too bad because we're seeking the spiritual solution all the time. Now what happens if I stop seeking the spiritual solution? I get pretty bad. And then uh, we want to treat that, right? So we drink. Remember our emotions, we want to treat our emotions with alcohol or drugs or whatever. And so we have to learn a way to treat our emotions a different way through getting centered on God and God changes the way we see things. It says if a person has cancer, all are sorry for him and no one is angry or hurt. But not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation of all the things worthwhile in life. I don't think they're missing any words there, are they? Annihilation, completely destroying all the things worthwhile in life. It engulfs all whose lives touch the sufferers. And we have to remember that when we're trying to uh, repair relationships, what we've done to these people. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, not just resentment, fierce resentment financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, warped lives of blameless children, sad wives and parents, anyone can increase the risk. But remember, we're like the, we come out of the tornado and we come out of the cellar and we say, wow, isn't it great? The wind, the sun's out, the wind stopped blowing. And we don't see this. And, 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 and it'll annihilate all things worthwhile in life. They say that alcohol will take everything. I heard someone ask somebody, uh, 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 he asked them what they were going to put first in their life. And he was talking about he's so busy and uh, he's got all these responsibilities. You know, he's a very important guy. And the guy says, you're going to lose everything. Alcohol will take everything. Alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, it'll take everything. And, 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 <clears throat> Before it takes everything, I hope you'll give up. I think that's a gift. I think it before it took everything from me, I was beaten down enough that I was open-minded to give up. I could see it. And I think that's a gift. We hope this volume will inform and comfort those who are or who may be affected. There are many. So it's good. This, they wanted this book to inform and comfort not just the alcoholic, but those involved with alcoholism. So they could understand this, and they could understand the disease. And then they could see that they're powerless to change it. And so that they don't get ill trying to change it. 
Highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss his situation without reserve. Impossible to persuade us. We're pretty stubborn, aren't we? Even when we're dying, we're really not ready to just tell the truth. And maybe that we're constitutionally incapable of doing it. Um, strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find us even more unapproachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. I remember this uh, speaker, he was pretty good. He told him if his wife, his wife said, if you don't stop drinking, I'm done with you. So he got in the car and he says, well, I can get another wife. <laughs> We're laughing, but he, we understand. And so, um, but here's the squiggly writing. But the ex-problem drinker, now what is an ex-problem drinker? It's one who has found the solution, this solution. And it says who has found this solution. <coughs> who is properly armed, done the steps, properly armed with facts about himself, can see the truth of my thinking, the truth of my resentments, my fears, the truth of my conduct, can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. So if you wanna be able to help someone, you have to found, have found this solution, you have to be properly armed with facts about yourself, and then you can win the confidence of another alcoholic. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. So I wrote, until I have an understanding of my problem and the solution, I can't, I can't accomplish anything with someone else. And it says you can't give away what you don't have, right, on page 164. So that's really a powerful paragraph. Uh, that the man who is making the approach has had the same difficulty and that we have to tell him that we have the same and what our difficulty was, that he obviously knows what he's talking about, that his whole deportment, that means the way you look up here, shouts at the new prospect that he is a man with a real answer. So we wanna be able to approach them and let them know we know what they're talking about, that we, um, uh, that we have a real answer, and that I have no attitude of holier than now. That's the thing uh, I have to work on. I think we, you know, I, there's nothing, no difference between me and them. We're both uh, alcoholics, except that I have a solution, a plan of action that has me in a relationship with God and they don't. And they can have that too, right? And um, a real answer, no holier than thou, nothing whatever. You know how you, people talk about, oh, so-and-so is drinking again. You know, like there's some terrible person and we're sober. But no, we're alcoholics too. They're alcoholics, alcoholics drink. That's what they do. And so uh, we need to pray for them and we need to be available to them when they're ready to hear uh, the answer. And so we can't look down on anyone. Love and tolerance of others, remember, is our code. 
And remember, people try to build self-esteem by putting other people down. And we don't want to do that in AA. Uh, we're all sinners, right? Um, and it, nothing whatever except a sincere desire to be helpful. And you want to appear to be, want to care about that person, want to be helpful to them. That there are no fees to pay, no axes to grind, no people to please. I have to remember that because I want to please everybody because I'm a people pleaser. I'm better than I used to be, but uh, no lectures to be endured. And the only person I need to please anymore is God. Isn't that pretty simple? I spent my whole life trying to please them. I still worry about it at home some, but I usually get that shut down pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, these are the conditions we have found most effective. So this is the conditions they found, and they give it to you right now. No attitude of a holier than now, nothing whatever except a sincere desire to be helpful, no feasts to pays, no axes to grinds, no people to please, no lectures to be endured. After such an approach, many take up their beds and walk again. Now that's from scripture, that's from John 5, I believe verse 6. And what does that mean, take up their beds and walk again? Well, we're dying. We're like the man lowered down into the, through the roof. And uh, take up your bed and walk again. And so we have to put our faith and trust in God to do that, right? And they put their faith and trust in the Lord, and then he said that. So we have to learn how to do that through the steps so we don't put trust and faith in who? Me. Anybody else do that? Anybody do it this morning? We do it, but we don't, we, we have to stop doing it. You know, you know when you're putting yourself trust in you? You don't, you're worried, you have worry, or you're anxious, or something's irritating you. And so we have to fight that all the time. We never get over that. None of us make a sole vocation of this work, nor do we think its effectiveness would be increased if we did. We feel, this is a key line, that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. It's very important not to drink and when you're working the steps and we're trying to get better. Sober's better. Everybody agree with that? But Bill was drinking when he met Abby, remember? So you can, it doesn't mean you can't talk to someone that's drinking, but usually it's not that effective. Uh, but a much more important, so elimination drinking is good. It's good for us, but it's not a spiritual awakening. And then to me, not drinking is not the goal. It's emotional sobriety, peace of mind, a design for living that works. I'm not in conflict with everybody and everything. And, and that, that's a great gift, and you have to work for it. You have to keep doing the deal. But here's a more important than elimination drinking is demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupation, affairs. So remember, practice the principles in our affairs. It's not talked about a lot in the 12th step. We talk about carrying the message, but we have to practice the principles in all my affairs. And the following chapters after working with others are all about how we do that. And if I practice the principles 
in all my affairs, the people will see the change and they'll want to be the change. And so, um, and that's not easy to do, right? It takes <coughs> a lot of work and you get better at it over time. So in the beginning, when you're trying to repair your relationship at home, just being sober for a month is not going to do the deal, you know? Because uh, look, it says on the other page what we put them through. But as you start to do it, people can see the change. And then if in AA, you can see the change in someone else and then you want to be the change. Right? And we want to be the change so somebody can see the change and then they'll want to have it. If we keep on the way we are going, there's little doubt that much good will result. Now this was written in late 1938, but the surface of the problem would hardly be scratched. And look at all the problems we have today with addiction. And I mean, they're just scratching the surface. Now football season did start. And if you do have a problem, I've got that 800 number that I'll give you after the meeting and you call. And I'll also give you something on your phone that you can click a button and it'll limit how much you'll bet each day. You get it? You click the button, you, get, you see it? Uh, I don't know. I think it's very sad. I'm not going to get onto, I'm getting off the subject, but people can lose everything, all their money this, in a weekend. Um, but the surface of the problem will hardly be scratched. Those of us who live in large cities are overcome by the reflection that close by hundreds are dropping in the oblivion each day. I mean, it's sad. We hear stories. You see people you know and love. Think about, uh, you know, I know a guy used to come here. He was struggling. He went to treatment. I haven't seen him since, and he won't answer his phone. Many could recover if they had the opportunity we have enjoyed. Now notice it's could, not would. So if they have the opportunity uh, that we have enjoyed, if they take advantage of it, then they can recover. How then shall we present what, that which has been freely given to us? This is so another powerful line. They're going to present which has been given so freely to us by God. It's a gift, but we have to do the work, but he, he gives us the, the change. We have to do the work to allow him to work. So what does it say? We have concluded to publish an anonymous volume setting forth the problem as we see it. And then you have to say, is their problem your problem? But that's what the next few chapters are about, more about alcoholism. Is, is their problem your problem? And then we agnostic, is their problem your problem? We shall bring to the task our combined experience and knowledge. That's all they're doing. People don't like the big book, fine. We don't care. They don't, A doesn't care. You know, nobody cares. But if you have their problem, they're gonna bring the task their combined knowledge and experience, and this should suggest a useful program for anyone concerned with the drinking problem. I'm not saying nothing else works. I don't know anything about that. All I know is that this works for me. And like Sandy B always says, uh, when you run out of plans and options, try this and let us know if it worked. 
And that's what they're doing. They're telling us what they did and what worked. And then if we do this and it works, we can tell, tell us and tell somebody, and then if somebody else wants it, they'll do it. Of necessity, and we shouldn't be closed-minded about whatever anybody wants to try. It's fine with us. But if you run out of options, here's my number. Give me a call. We'll, I'll do this. We'll do this together. That should be the attitude. Not holier than now, loving and tolerant, always available. Remember, Jim went to treatment eight times, and they were always there for him, right? Of necessity, there will have to be discussions of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. We are there that these matters are from their very nature controversial. Nothing would please us so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. So they already understand the world, right? People are going to argue with this and that. They don't really care. It's up to the person whether they want this. They're going to do their best. We shall do our utmost to achieve, achieve that ideal. And I think they did a pretty good job. They changed a lot. If you look at the, uh, the corrections in the final copy, you can see little things that they tried to do. If you look at the original How It Works, it's all I and I must, and, and uh, they changed it to we. They thought that would make it more we together than you must. And so they made little changes. They must have worked because we're here today, right? And I think that was God. We shall do our utmost. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other shortcoming and viewpoints. So I have to have real tolerance of other people's shortcomings all the time. And they have to have tolerance of mine. Remember when we're doing the anger, freedom from anger, we have to remember that uh, everybody has shortcomings. They're all, we're all spiritually ill to some extent. We're all self-centered. And, and we have to... Uh, have practice love, tolerance, and patience for them. Shortcomings, viewpoints, and a respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. So that I need to want to have real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints, and that's hard for me because I've always been extremely good at judging. Anybody else good at that? I have talent. Jim, Jim was good. And I have to stop myself now. And you, you remember, we're good at what we practice, Joe and Charlie said. And so we have to get good at practicing the opposite. We have to fight that and the rest of our lives. And I have to respect opinions and attitudes. My very life as an ex-problem drinkers depend upon my constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. So that's the opposite of self-centeredness. So my life depends upon thinking of others and how I may help others. And in my prayer every morning, I ask God who he's going to put in my life that I can help today and help me be ready to help them. And uh, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You may have already asked yourself why it is that all of us became so very ill from drinking. Doubtless, you're curious to discover how and why in the face of expert opinions to the contrary, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Notice that word, we have recovered. And what that means is that today, right now, I don't have a hopeless condition of mind and body. I'm not obsessing with drinking today. I've prayed, I have a relationship with God. If I think about it, bad idea. 
Now that doesn't mean that stays forever, but recovered, it depends upon your spiritual condition. And I want to try to keep my spiritual condition as good as I can. I'm not perfect. And God's good because God lets me know when it's not good because I don't feel good. And so uh, he helps us in that regard. He's saying, really, come back to me, Michael. You're drifting away. You're a mess. Come back to me. Let's start over right now. So that's simple. So it says if you're an alcoholic and wants to get over it. So you have to want to know if you really want to do that. You may already be asking, what do I have to do? Isn't that a good question? I'm still waiting for somebody to come in and say, I want to get over this. What do I have to do? They usually tell me what they're going to do or what their plan is. And that's good. That's OK. But I didn't realize that my plan that never was going to work. And what do I have to do? And here it is. It's the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. So they're going to tell you from this page on, what do I have to do if I want to recover from a hopeless condition in my body like they did? Now, if I have what they have and I want what they want, this is what they did. And they're going to answer the question specifically. And so I heard somebody say that if you do everything and how it works and in action, follow those directions, 3 through 11, all the time, you'll never drink again. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it made sense. I want to keep doing it. I'm not drinking today. So I, I thought before going into a detailed discussion, it would be well to summarize some points as we see them. So they're going to tell you what they have done. But before that, they want to make sure you realize how screwed you are. <laughs> so they're going to spend the next 28 page, 23 pages describing the powerlessness of, of, alcohol, of our disease. And we understand that our defense must come from a higher power. Then they're going to tell you, ask you in the second step, uh, we agnostics, if we're willing to believe that there's a power that can help me. And then they go on to specifics. So the second step is just a question. The first step is a truth that you have to face yourself. So I think I'll start with that. I thought that was... Thanks, Mike.